Welcome to From the Trenches. This is the third podcast for the Association of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine Division Directors, or APCCSD. This monthly podcast series will address topics and challenges relevant to chiefs. Today we are joined by Drs. Ann Dixon and a special guest speaker, Dr. David Ingbar. Dr. Dixon currently serves on the executive committee for the group as president, and Dr. Ingvar currently serves as chief of pulmonary allergy critical care and sleep medicine at the University of Minnesota. Today we'll be discussing the history of the division directors group and how it all began. I'm Susan Murin, moderator for the podcast, former chief of pulmonary and critical care medicine at UC Davis. And I'm Ann Dixon. I'm chief of pulmonary and critical care medicine at the University of Vermont. I'm also the current president of the Association of Pulmonary Critical Care and Sleep Medicine Division Directors. And I'm David Ingvar, uh, introduced previously. Well, welcome everyone, uh, and a special welcome uh, to David. And, and I have to say it's especially a, a pleasure for me to be here uh, interviewing David today, since David was my favorite young faculty member way back when, uh, when I was a fellow. Um, well, can we start by having you tell us a little bit, David, about how the Division Directors Group began? Sure. I think uh, many of you know that the sort of equivalent organization, which is the uh, fellowship program directors group, existed for at least 10 years before this group started. And that really, uh, to be honest, was based in the American College of Chess Physicians. It was supported by them, though it had a separate budget, but was not a separate legal entity at that point in time. And I think as I became an ATS officer and having worked with the APCCMPB, the Program Directors Group, which took about a year to be able to pronounce fluently in terms of initials. Um, it was clear there was a real need that, that the program directors were beginning to get their uh, needs and interactions together, and it was very beneficial. But the division directors did not have a similar vehicle for communication. So that occasionally there were you know, emails to large groups of, gee, what are you doing about this? What are you doing about coverage? What are you doing about uh, the new area of nurse practitioners? Um, but they would be small groups, and uh, it wasn't really systematic, and there was no vehicle for communication. And particularly for ATS, as an academically focused organization, um, it seemed very logical that this void should be filled with support from ATS and organizing it. And at the time, I forget whether it was, I was the secretary treasurer or uh, vice president of the ATS. And I thought, you know, let's just start this. And we got support from the other officers. And so we did it in the usual fashion by sort of trying to uh, pull a list of division directors and invite people to get together at the meeting um, annual international conference. So tell us a little bit about the first meeting. Well, I think the first meeting, like many of the early meetings, group was really trying to define itself. What should we be? You know, what did we want to accomplish? How do we want to communicate with each other? And one of the first questions was sort of who should be members of the group? What was a division? It was a group of, you know, three or four practicing pulmonologists at a hospital division? Uh, was it only based in academic centers? And there was this question of how broad or uh, inclusionary should we be or not? And I think in general, at least early on, people felt that um, we really should be inclusive and let anyone who wanted to be there be there. Uh, and particularly because some of the, the challenges that division directors face, like fiscal issues, in fact, people from community groups might have very different and interesting perspectives to bring to the academically based people. Excellent. And 
How was the reception of, of your peer group when you announced that you were going to start this and started to organize it? Well, it, like many new groups, I mean, people were a little, there was general enthusiasm, I would say. So one of the things we did is we surveyed the group and said, do you think there's a need for this? And there was a resounding yes that came back to us. What the group should do was a little less clear. Some people thought it ought to deal with fiscal issues. Some people thought it should deal with, you know, academic training and, you know, protecting the academic future for academic divisions. Some people wanted to know about negotiations and dealing with hospitals. So there are a lot of different pieces to it. And, um, of course, different people had different needs. Did you have specific goals for the organization? My goals were, A, I thought that this really needed to exist and we needed a way to communicate. And it, I think it's fair to say it's taken a while to get the communication and the structure really organized. And I'm delighted that Ann and colleagues are uh, moving things forward so much more effectively than we did earlier on. Um, I think another piece was really trying to get us to talk about the issues that face specifically the academic division, but also to share knowledge about salaries and how we dealt with hospitals and negotiations and all those things too. So those are some of my high ticket items, but a lot of it was to give us a vehicle for communication too. So Anne, hearing what David saw as the initial goals of the organization, how, how do you feel they still resonate for the group? Well, I, I think they resonate very much. And, um, you know, we, we stand on the shoulders of giants and we really were able to um, build on a tremendous foundation. Um, and with the continued support of the American Thoracic Society, uh, we had a nucleus of division chiefs that were very invested in that, um, and so we were able to develop a structure that um, hopefully has a more of a, a year-round presence. And another thing that we tried to do was to expand the, the annual meeting. There's always tremendous time pressure at a, the ATS annual meeting, as, as we all know. And so we tried to find a time, and we've done it outside the, the main body of the meeting. And I think that has been um, very helpful. Um, I, I remember some of the earlier meetings was in the morning before ATS began, and it was tantalizing. We started discussing some important issues, but, but there was never time to do that. And I, I think it very much resonates. For me, it's a source of information from my peer group um, in terms of how are they dealing with these issues that, that I am struggling with. Um, and I find if I don't get this information from other division directors, my hospital administration tells me how other divisions of pulmonary critical care work. Well, I don't think they have much more insight um, than uh, my peers do. I think my peers have a lot more insight. So for me, it's it's a reality check and a, and a source of information that I can actually then take back to my hospital administration and say, you know what, I have surveyed other division directors and this is the way it's done in other places. And so, so it's a source of, of common information. It strikes me um, that things haven't changed very much since you started, David, because as I have tried to put together a list of things that we might want to talk about in future podcasts, I came up with a list of compensation models, negotiating with your chair, negotiating with your hospital, models of ICU coverage, yeah. and those are the same things that yeah. you thought were pertinent issues 20 years ago. 
Now, Anne, I know that earlier today you had almost a full day meeting of the organization. Tell me when, when that started and, and how that's well, added value. We've, we've, been, we've been doing that for three years now, and we uh, try and pick um, a topic with a, a keynote speaker. So um, burnout, physician burnout is a really a hot topic right now, and so we had um, a keynote speaker uh, Doug Sedonis, um, who's a vice chancellor at UCSD and has done a lot of work in this area, and he came and and led gave a gave a talk, but but then really led to a panel discussion, and so we were all able to um, share ideas about um, burnout with, within our own division, um, and that resonated very personally with me. We we had some data on burnout in our division, which was. Um, very striking, and then I realized that every other division director in the country was struggling with with the same thing. It was good to know other people were struggling with it, and it was great to talk about strategies that other people were using, but also to have an expert in this field come in and say, well, th this is best practice, and we could talk about how we could implement that sort of with, within our divisions. Um, so we've tried to sort of have a keynote uh, speaker, and in the uh, past we've talked um, about um, uh, fundraising, uh, we've talked about um, different models. Um, and then the second thing that we did today was we talked about um, different career tracks within our division. So um, there's a lot of pressure on the clinical mission right now, and we're seeing more and more people within divisions have doing more and more clinical time. Um, and how does that fit into the academic division model? How do these people get promoted? How do they get valued? Um, and um, discussed uh, the sort of clinician educators and, and what we do to support their career development as well. So, so talked about the different tracks, and it was very interesting, although there are different tracks around the country. A again, the issues about how you integrate the clinicians, the clinician educators, and the physician scientists are very similar for everybody. Great. Now, between meetings, um, obviously you have this big meeting now at ATS each year, but between meetings, how does the group coordinate and how does the work continue? That is the hardest thing to do. Um, there's uh, a bunch of very, very busy people and trying to get people to um, take the time and maintain the momentum has been the hardest thing. So with support of the ATS staff, uh, we uh, schedule regular calls. Uh, we have an executive committee now. Um, that is responsible for developing some of the programs. Um, and um, one of the things that we have done, we decided we wanted to do, is develop a, a leadership toolbox. Um, and so out of that, uh, there was a paper published uh, in, uh, in Annals uh, a few months ago that uh, Bryant Nguyen led. Um, and uh, that was produced uh, to talk about leadership of pulmonary critical care divisions, and so that was sort of a very concrete thing that we have done. So people have identified projects that they are concerned about, and we try and give them um, a framework and a, and a peer group to work with. Um, another thing that we've done within the last 12 months is we had, uh, we organized a gen gender equity summit, uh, which was... Uh, at last year's uh, conference, um, and we have just submitted a paper. Carrie Thompson was really the leader on that, um, and we've just submitted a, a paper which talks about gender equity um, in pulmonary critical care and sleep uh, divisions and what we can do as division directors, but also what the individual needs to do and, and, and what leadership and, and societies can do to, to work on those problems. So we try, we've created a structure uh, to try and let people work on problems as they arise.
So David, it, it looks like the organization you started is, is growing up. Uh, what's your perspective looking back when you see what they're up to now? Well, I don't really feel like I started it. I feel like I've gotten a lot of gray hairs just by doing this discussion. Um, I mean, I think it was a pretty obvious idea that we needed this, number one. And number two, there were a lot of you know interested parties. I'm thinking of Augustine Choi and a number of other people who were very active early on. Um, I think watching the growth has been fabulous. And you know the, you know, the issues, as you said, Susan, are still with us, including new ones. And, uh, and the burnout one, I think, mm. is a fabulous one to address because it's so important. So it's really gratifying to me uh, seeing the growth and everything that's going on. But I don't feel like I get credit for this. I feel like it's really the group of people because we're all working in the trenches. And you know, I've been a division director for probably too long, more than 15 years. And so some of the problems that frankly continue get yeah. old and then yeah. we get new ones tossed on top of it. But I think having the support network and the communication network to share these issues, um, both, some of them are really specific to pulmonary critical disease. Right. I work a lot with our CTSI education group now, so I see them actually as much broader across academic medicine, yeah. and not even just internal medicine. So I think, but if we don't talk about them, don't take them on, they're not gonna get fixed. And sharing the information, I think is really powerful, especially dealing with chairs and hospitals from negotiations, because that's where the normative information of UCLA is incredibly no, and I, I completely agree with that. In fact, you go from the perspective that knowledge is power. There's often an asymmetry of information between us as individuals and our hospitals. And I think sharing information among division directors really lets us even that playing field a little bit, knowing how places are doing it elsewhere and what kind of financial relationships they've worked out with their hospitals around ICU coverage and things like that can make us more informed as we go to the table um, and, and therefore make us more effective in advocating for our divisions. Well, it's also very helpful. I think my institution does try and um, have objective data, um, but it's where does that data come and how similar is it to, to, to my division? So. When, when there's an issue, I, I, I can reach out to similar divisions ar ar around the country and ask, well, how do you do this? Whereas sometimes I think when my institution gets information about you know, pulmonary and critical care and sleep, um, it could be very different practices that they're talking about. So, so it really is helpful for me to be able to say, you know, I, I know you have this data, but I have looked at this institution, this institution, this institution, very similar to our own, and, and, and this is how they do it, and, and, and information is power. And Anne, you probably are actually in one of the best possible situations, since your chair of medicine is the former pulmonary and critical care division director and president of APCCMPB, and she's very familiar with a lot of the specific issues. Right. But I think, you know, where uh, some of the academic leaders are less familiar because I think critical care in particular is highly susceptible to burnout and, and some of the salary and other compensation challenges. It can be a really difficult sell without that information. Yeah, so I, I think there are some strengths in that arrangement and also some weaknesses. Now that I'm on the, the, the chair side, I will say I think our division chief and our division sometimes think they get short shrift because we know too much about their business. Um, so I think it can go uh, either way. 
Any particular goals uh, for the future that we haven't discussed today for the organization? Well, I, I think the goal is for it to be um, sustaining um, and to facilitate communication throughout the year. Um, last year, um, with, with the support of ATS, we set up a, a base camp uh, as a forum for us to communicate with one another. Um, I've got to say that as division directors, some of us are quite slow at uh, embracing new technology, and it's and also very busy. Um, so it's just trying to keep everybody engaged, sort of throughout the year, in a not burdensome way, uh, but to be available um, and a resource for information. And 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 that still is is something that I think we're working on. I must say, I'm very impressed to hear that several academic products have emerged from the group, that not only are you talking to one another and gathering information, but you're publishing that information. So there's some academic benefit uh, to engagement as well, it sounds like. I, I, I think that reflects how division directors at ATS think. They, they, they think in terms of an academic product. Um, and when we were thinking about leadership, when we were thinking about gender equity, they approached it in a very academic manner, um, and I think it speaks um, more clearly um, to us as a group if we can think about it in, a, in an academic manner. So how would someone who's a new division director, for example, um, engage more deeply with the organization and potentially get, get in line for a leadership position? Um, make sure we've got your name on the listserv, so get in touch with Eileen um, Odalis or uh, Eileen Larson or Odalis Jimenez um, and show up to the meeting. Um, if you're interested in working on an issue, um, let the executive committee know and Naftali Kaminsky is going to be taking over as, as president and I know he is looking for people to uh, work on particular topics that are of interest to them. Great. Well, it's really been a pleasure uh, having this conversation with the two of you today. Any closing remarks? Um, my closing remark would be I want to thank David for um, setting up this organization and getting us going, and I want to thank all the division directors out there who've given their time and their energy to this organization because, really, um, it's about all of you out there. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I'm really thrilled to see everything you and the other leaders have done in the wake of my ATS official involvement. And, you know, I, I think that uh, the interesting thing is even if you're a division director for a while, these, you really need the communication, let alone with new folks coming on. So I see it serving a really important role that will grow, especially as the challenges in the academic portion of a lot of our missions uh, seem to keep on uh, rising in terms of the stress level. So thank you very much. Well, thank you, Anne, and thank you, David, for taking time out of the ATS meeting to record this podcast today. I want to remind our listeners that this podcast series is really for them. If there are topics you'd like to see us discuss, please let us know. If you're interested in joining the conversation, don't forget to use hashtag APCCSDPpodcast on Twitter or follow us at PCSMChiefs to send us your questions or comments. 